politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to guard for our liberties, fight for our liberties every day. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house here at CR Podcast, Blaze Media, Thursday, May 20th. And there are a lot of liberty issues on the table today. Lots of news. Lots of you have been contacting me based on yesterday's show about your willingness to be a plaintiff to fight for our liberties. The vaccine Nazis, the mask Nazis, it is still going on. There's some good news, some bad news on that front. But I did want to change gears a little bit today. Um, Maybe we'll get back to it at the end. But I want to talk about an issue that is near and dear to my heart. And it's not often viewed as a liberty issue, but it really is. And that's crime. You see, the job of government is to protect the citizenry from bad people. Because if you can't walk the streets, if you can't, you know, conduct business and open your shop and or even live at home without being attacked, you have no liberty. And what's worse is when you live in an era where we have a strong you know, justice system deterring people from taking the law into their own hands to retaliate or defend themselves against bad bad guys, but you don't have a strong system anymore to deter the bad guys, that really is a liberty and tyranny issue. Because then the government traps you into that. That's where I live right now. We have helicopters circling overhead all the time now. Um, All over the place, armed robberies, holdups, carjackings, um, nothing ever happens to them, there is no deterrent, and therefore the crimes start younger and younger and younger, but if I were to carry a gun, oh, I would get locked up, so you can't defend yourself. Isaiah 117, learn to do good, seek justice, strengthen the robbed, not the robbers. It might sound weird, but I am literally the only one that for seven years has been warning about this crime bubble. And I was alone. Every so-called conservative think tank, including one I worked for, has bought into this garbage that they strengthen the hand of the robber and not the robbed. So we're going to be talking about that, how it's getting worse and worse. There's compassionate released now we're compassionate to the young people they're too young to to be locked up even though they commit heinous crimes or they're too old to be locked up i'm going to give you a presentation today of just a couple of stories and and you could pick these out anywhere every week they never get broadcast in the media in a, in a big way nationally and therefore We are missing the outrage, the requisite outrage we need to change the laws. This is something we're going to be working with very strongly with our Liberty Strike Force teams. You could sign up for a team in your state at conaction.network to strengthen sentencing, to strengthen laws against repeat offenders, to strengthen uh, pretrial release laws for violent crimes. But first... We need to remain independent. That's why I need you guys to support our 
sponsors, but also to help yourself remain independent from the system. Patriot Mobile has you covered for your cellular service so you don't have to give money to the cartel because they're all in bed with uh, the cartel. But what's better now is that um, they're giving you 50% off your first two months. But also, you could try winning cellular service for life. If you go to patriotmobile.com slash CR, you could learn how you can get 50% off your first two months of service and then enter to win cellular service for life plus a free Patriot Starter Kit when you join. Again, Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative uh, mobile phone company. Uh, they have really the broadest nationwide coverage. They use the same towers that all the major carriers do, so you can get the same service without um, handing your money to those who hate you. Most importantly, they share your values, and they actually give money to the right causes. Switching is easy. Go to patriotmobile.com slash CR or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. Veterans and first responders save even more. Get the discount and a chance to win cellular service for life with the offer code CR. Again, that's patriotmobile.com slash CR. PatriotMobile.com slash CR, offer code CR, or call 972-PATRIOT. Now, folks, everyone should know his name. Everyone should know the name of Cash Gernon, G-E-R-N-O-N. But nobody will. A four-year-old boy who was snatched, is caught on video, taken from his crib, found stabbed to death in the street. Suspect who is caught on camera is Darren Brown, just 18-year-old, whatever, fiend from Dallas. He's accused of kidnapping and murdering the kid. And then he was also caught on camera trying to come back for the kid's brother. Now, it seems like there's some sort of extended connection to the family, like a friend of a friend, and somehow he knew them, or, or maybe they didn't know him, but he knew someone who knew them, and... They are going to update charges. But this guy, this fiend, Darren Brown, is black and the boy is white. And again, under our system, that wouldn't matter. We deter and punish violent criminals swiftly, always an eye for an eye. And thou shalt do to them what they plotted to do to his friend. We would apply Deuteronomy and done. But that doesn't happen. So therefore, 18-year-olds like this go undeterred. Cash Gernon. Horrible, horrible story. And um, this guy, of course, had an outstanding... He, he was released after being arrested for evading arrest. Just, I think it was just a couple, um, couple days earlier. April 27th, he was facing a charge for evading arrest. I'm sure he had other things too. But there is a whole generation of teenage black kids that are so undeterred now because the entire system says they're a victim and they continue this blood libel. But folks, these stories happen all the time. You never hear about them. Every time 
a black individual is killed at the hands of someone who happens to be white, whether it's justified or not, it results in a blood libel against everyone who's white. But the thousand times more numerous cases that are the other way around never get talked about. Not that we want a blood libel like they do against anyone who happens to be share the skin color of a criminal. We just want criminals deterred. But this is the point. There's also reports that Fox 4 News in, in Dallas report that he... um. He had some sort of mental issues, but and, and, and this is another part of that. They're never locked up anymore. He was in Metro Care Services, which provides mental health care to children and adults. We need to do something with the criminally insane. This is a big problem. They don't lock them up. And then you know what? When they commit murder, you know what happens. They say, well, we're criminally insane. We can't be held accountable. So horrendous, horrendous story. But I want to tell you today, I want to talk about another trend I haven't talked about enough. That in addition to juveniles destroying this country, juvenile criminals, there's a trend that they call geriatric release or compassionate release. In all these states, including red states now, where they're letting out people that are over 60, over 55... And I say, ah, they've been there long enough. They're old. It's compassionate release. Now, mind you, by definition, someone who's been there and aged out in prison, they're obviously not serving time for a low-level crime. It's mainly murderers and rapists. It's almost always people like that. And they are letting out murderers left and right. And what's interesting is this is what happens when we don't do justice as defined by the Bible, as upheld by our original founding, that the standard for a murder is capital punishment, and not 20, 30 years later, but within a year, A, it would deter crime, but B, that's what justice is. So what they do is, you see, you know, they make you feel bad for the guy. He looks old, he's got gray hair, compassionate release. But we never hear about compassionate incarceration. Compassion for the victims and for future victims. Because, you see, unlike our system, which lets them out, and even if they get capital punishment, they're around for 20, 30 years, and then you feel bad for them, so then they wind up getting off. The victims had no time for compassion because the murderer took care of them immediately. You go through the country now, it's not just California. Where they are releasing, you hear that, oh, your guy is 70 years old. So it kind of looks weird. Yeah, does he really need to be in, in, in prison anymore? Behind everyone is a story of a heinous, heinous murder of a young life that was cut short in the 80s and the 90s and the 70s. But no one ever hears from them because they're not around to have compassion upon because the murderer ditched them. But they are around. To have compassion for. This is the sick thing that's happening everywhere. And Republicans and all these coke-funded libertarian organizations are all behind this. It's a whole big trend. I'm going to list you just a couple of cases. So, of, of, of re-offending now. We, we talked about a couple in California. I want to talk about a couple more. Just to show you how pathetic our system is. Where is this? This is from Duluth, I believe. 
Well, actually, no. Let me let me read this one first. One from Chicago. This is from Chicago, CWB Chicago. A man who has been convicted of two separate murders and publicly admitted to a third killing was charged Wednesday with murdering another man over the weekend. Bernard Barry, 75 years old, was arrested after a SWAT standoff Sunday evening. Yes, once a murderer, always a murderer. Even at 75 years old. Now you might be asking, well, wait a minute, what do you mean he murdered three times? How was he out of prison to murder again? 1970, okay? We're going back to 1970. Barry, then known as Anthony Singletary, received an eight-year sentence for murder. Okay, eight-year sentence for murder. Just eight years. This is what happened during the 70s, and now we're going back to that period of time where judges gave straight-up murders eight, eight years. And then, of course, he didn't get eight years. On July 3rd, 1975, that's at most five years later, Barry shot an acquaintance on a restaurant parking lot in a scuffle over money. The next day, he shot and killed a motorcyclist who was traveling through Wicker Park. Barry claimed that he called him a racial slur. So I guess this is, this is not even a new uh, phenomenon. He told those stories to a journalist in 1998, shortly after being released early from a 90-year sentence. So again, he had an eight-year sentence for murder, murder in 1970, was out, I don't know when he got out, but in, he, was, he was definitely out in 1975, committed two more murders, got locked up again for a 90-year sentence, but didn't serve more than 20 or so, and admitted it to a journalist in 1998, and he was let out. And then he was convicted of aggravated discharge of a firearm in 2005 and received a 15-year sentence. His parole in that case ended last August. Now, notice, I, I, I don't think he served 15 years, but his parole ended 15 years. He probably got out much earlier. State, Illinois State Police records show Barry has not been complying with murderer registration laws. So, for, first off, how do we even have murderer registration laws? They should be swimming with the fishies. Three murders plus discharging a firearm afterwards. He's out. Didn't register. Didn't matter. Nine months later, he's accused of murdering 42-year-old Tyron Evans. And he is finally in custody being held without bail. But this is where we are, folks. This is what's happening. It's happening everywhere. Everywhere in the country. They're being released. This is a new trend. I'm sure you hear about it a lot in New York. Cop killers, murderers, rapists, all the time they're being released. No problem. No problem. Here's another one for you in Duluth. This is uh, Minnesota. Dennis, what's his name? Dennis John Hanuk Salah, 62 years old. He was under a lifetime supervision after being convicted for first-degree murder of 65-year-old Arthur Nelson. Life supervision. I don't know how much time he served, but basically... 
he's now accused of brutally raping a woman, zip tying her, whatever, and then taking her somewhere. Um, it's a whole story there. I actually can't even read it now. It's under uh, um, behind a paywall. I thought I had it saved here. But again and again and again, we're seeing this happen all over the country. All over the country. Then you have, what is this? In Boston, it's from the Boston Globe. 21, I'm not kidding you. 21 first degree murderers set free under state's new compassionate release law. They were all sentenced to life without parole and they've been released. And all the media reports about how awesome these people are, I mean, they're better than you and me. They'll never talk about the victims. Heinous, heinous stories you'll have behind each one of them. It's shocking when you find some of these crazy, crazy murders. Some like, you know, that have been, you've had TV shows and even movies, documentaries about them. Lives cut short for nothing, no reason. So many of those people wind up being released. The longer you keep them around, the more likely they're going to get out. So we basically don't have the death penalty anymore in this country. We really haven't for quite a while. And even life without parole, every juvenile murderer doesn't get it anymore. Now they're releasing the older ones and they're chipping away and chipping away. So these scumbag maggots that call themselves conservatives... And some of them are pretty, you know, I don't know, among my colleagues that signed on to this crap of low-level, nonviolent offenses. Well, we got to murder pretty quickly. Now, folks, with everything going on, this is why you need to not only own a gun and a holster, but to learn how to use it in a defensive situation. That's why we have, through constitutioncoach.com, our training program in Front Sight, Nevada, Rick Green's Constitution Handgun Defense Training Course. We study the Constitution at night. During the day, we have the best two- and four-day gun training you will ever get. Um, you get to meet members of this audience. I'm going to be out for the May 30th trip. I do believe there still is room if you want to make a late flight there. If not, you go to constitutioncoach.com. We still have room on the June 6th trip as well. Um, and look, you know, it gets very hot after that, so we don't have training in the summer, but if you do want to already sign up for one of the dates in September, October, November, um, it will get cooler then, so make sure you book it now, you'll get a cheaper flight, you do it far in advance, again, folks, we need intellectual ammo, but we also need to know how to learn how to defend ourselves, I'm shocked at how few people have ever thought about these scenarios, um, muscle memory, what to do in a situation like that, how to win a gunfight. Again, it's it's a lot of fun, and just as fun as the training is just meeting fellow patriots from this audience, from other people. It's, it's really, really terrific. Again, go to constitutioncoach.com, 90% off Front Sight's normal training. So, folks, then we have with us the next thing. So again, we're going back and forth. We have the the seniors and juveniles, even seniors committing murder. Another story here. This is out of St. Louis. 
A 15-year-old boy allegedly kidnapped, raped, and robbed a Missouri woman at gunpoint while wearing a GPS-enabled ankle monitor. Antonin Dillon was charged Tuesday in the savage random attack in September. St. Louis County Police said Tina allegedly approached the victim as she was going into her St. Louis County home, forced her into a car, directed her to drive. Um, He did all sorts of things to her and ordered the woman to withdraw money from her account. The evidence all corroborates her allegations because the victim, the defendant was wearing a monitoring bracelet, which puts him at the locations described by the victim. It was not immediately clear why the teen was wearing an ankle monitor at the time. Um, because he basically is a juvenile, so the New York Post couldn't get a hold of um, the information. But again, the DNA testing backs it up, and that's where we are. And by the way, even after this, he's being held only on 200000 cash. It is cash-only bond, but for something like that? But this is where we are, folks. And believe me, most of the juveniles don't get ankle bracelets. It had, he had to be pretty bad. Ankle bracelets don't work. It's a joke. But again, there's a growing trend getting younger and younger committing rape. 15 years old. What do you think is going to happen to this, to him? What should happen is he should get the death penalty. Again, to me, you know, someone who grabs a woman off the street like that, you know, it's, it's clear, straight up. It's not one of these, like, you know, relationship situations. I'm not saying that they can't turn criminal. But, you know, when it's really like this, to me, that warrants a death penalty, certainly life without parole. But you'd be shocked at how little even adult rapists serve. 15-year-old, again, if he gets um, prison time, at best he'll be held till 21 in a juvenile facility. Now think about this woman. Does it matter to her that the attacker was 15 years old? Does that matter? Well, in our system, we only look, we treat the perpetrator like the victim that's all our system cares about and again there's no deterrent if we strengthen the laws on on pretrial release on juveniles so much of this wouldn't happen so much of this wouldn't happen you cannot imagine how many more people are going to be victimized by the multiplying factor of all these people being released, all the new younger ones in the system never being incarcerated, the ones younger than them seeing that crime pays, may God help us. Because the crime bubble we're going to face is insane. I have to get something off my chest here, by the way. You know, I'm often asked if there's one part of the Constitution that you could amend, what would it be? And I'm going to surprise you. I tell you it's the Eighth Amendment. I would tell you it's the Eighth Amendment. You see, when the Constitution was written, you didn't have wild thugs. 
it was very rare that someone would just beat the hell out of someone for no reason, or someone would murder someone, rape. You didn't really have ubiquitous crime. You had isolated, targeted things, and mainly what happened was you would have these draconian things where, I don't know, the state doesn't like you or considers you a criminal because you spoke out against the king, so they chop your hands off or something. So understandably, they wanted to bar cruel and unusual punishment. That's where it was coming from. If they would have known that we would, there would come a time where citizens with full due process were proven to have committed the most heinous crimes, I think they would agree with me that we should do to him what he sought to do to his friend. Whatever they do should be done to them. Boy, would that end this. Boy, oh boy, would that end this. You know what needs to be done with rapists, by the way. Yeah. That's what needs to be done to them. (laughs) What needs to be done to them is what is done to minors in hospitals who think that they're transgender. By the way, in Alabama, they blocked legislation that just passed in Tennessee Barring castration for minors. We can't even get that passed in Alabama. What a cesspool of a state. We are working on a Liberty Strike Force team, but that that legislature is one of the worst of all red states in the country. Truly, truly awful. But again, folks, crime is a liberty issue, especially when the government prevents us from defending ourselves. Truly, truly disgusting. And look, there's going to be more and more of this. More and more of this as time goes on. You know, if you look at, um, where is this? New Orleans. Another cesspool of a city. Just the first quarter of this year, there have been a significant increase in juvenile crimes This is from Fox 8 Live. Nearly 200 juveniles arrested. 40% of repeat offenders. 45 of them were 11 to 14, and they, quote, aren't afraid of arrest. Okay, that's a quarter of them were 11 to 14 because they see The 16-year-olds and the 18-year-olds, their brothers, nothing happens to them. Now, what would you venture the race of those 200 are? Wouldn't surprise me if not a single one was white. Not one. This is a problem that is going on. And the more crime becomes heterogeneous among certain groups, the more the blood libel deflects it. And again, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. You deter the crime. But the problem is, when we do that, they say, well, you're arresting too many black people. Well, the, those are the ones committing the crime. What do you want from us? And by the way, these are mainly battery, stolen car. There's even four for murder. It's not drugs. So this whole lie that somehow we're locking up people for drugs is just not true. No one's getting locked up for drugs. And if anything, drugs has become increasingly more of a white thing. 
um, is nothing to do with that. That is not what is driving the incarceration. They are under-incarcerated relative to the crime rates. Truly disgusting. Don't tell, don't tell me that I didn't warn you. Because I did. Again, we need to toughen the juvenile laws. We need to end release of murderers, regardless of their age. We need to strengthen the death penalty. We need to strengthen life without parole. When, you know, when we can't get the death penalty, we need to strengthen three three strikes and you're out. Strengthen pretrial holding when there's a preponderance of evidence to keep them held when they committed violent crimes or multiple crimes. You do that, you'll stop 70, 80% of the crime in this country. We'll never be perfect. And ultimately, some of it's going to be cultural but we can't fix that. That's not in our hands to fix the inner city culture. It's got to come from within. All we can do is do justice. Strengthen the hand of those who are robbed. Seek justice. And learn to do good. And that's what we're going to continue doing here every day. Now in the remaining time here, I do want to change back to the COVID fascism. You know, One of the things we spoke about yesterday is that this is not over. Okay, you might be able to go into a store without a diaper, but the notion that you are free is absurd because here's the thing. You have the masking, you have the vaccines, and then you have just the general control that's still looming. Now, there is some good news in Iowa. They did uh, sign into law Governor Kim Reynolds signed into law a, a bill permanently banning masking of school children, really of anyone, local, state. So um, it Arkansas is the only other state that I think did that statutorily. Uh, a couple other governors like South Carolina, Florida, and Texas seem to have gone after them executively. But it's only in two states that it's codified into law. And we should have close to 30 we do have the Pennsylvania referendums that they limited the governor's power to 21 days. But then you have places like West Virginia. You know, I was on uh, my buddy Tom Roten's show in Huntington, West Virginia, and we were talking about the fact that I said, he, I'm sitting here in Maryland, and they got rid of the mask mandate even in Baltimore County. Yet in West Virginia, they're not going to get rid of it until June 20th, five days after California. So West Virginia is officially the most liberal state in the country now. Um, that's what happens when you elect rhinos and don't pay attention to primaries and you let them get away with it. Three to one majorities in both houses there. And, and that's the thing. A lot, a lot of people are emailing me this story out of Oregon that five counties voted, you know, however it's binding – to secede from Oregon and join Idaho. But the thing is, you got to make Idaho conservative. The governor there vetoed all this stuff. They had a lot of good legislation in the Idaho House. And almost all the changes were vetoed. So they were not free there. Now again, Google Lieutenant Governor Janice McGinn for governor 
Go to her website and donate. She is running against him. Very brave move. And these are the type of candidates we need to focus on. I'm going to try to work on getting her more publicity. But it's utterly insane how so few of my colleagues even try to focus on that. We complain. We complain about this. And then when someone storms the castle, no one's there to back them. But more broadly, when it comes to the COVID fascism, the vaccine stuff is being pushed. I told you this was going to happen. What's starting to happen, I'm, I'm noticing, is a dichotomy between consumers and workers. And there's a reason for it. They want to make people happy to a certain extent. So broadly speaking, you feel free if you can just go out. So in most places, you're going to be able to go as a consumer without a mask. And by the way, I just want to note on that, it proves my point. When we know how they said, oh, well, private business could do what they want, you know, all these idiots. And I kept saying, dude, it's all from the government. So finally, when CDC dropped it, the market did kick in. <clears throat> the market forces did kick in. You saw a few of them for, for a day or two were recalcitrant. They're still holding on. But then they didn't want to be boycotted. So the whole thing could only be propped up by government. It's a joke. Everyone knew that from day one. But at the same time, we're forgetting, you know, I don't have to work in a place where I wear a mask. So therefore, you know, I'll be free at least temporarily until the next thing from the mask stuff. But what about all the people that have to work? I warned you that they're using the vaccine as a stick and a carrot. Illegally coercing people that if you want to, that you have to get a vaccine, otherwise you have your mouth and nose covered. Violate statute, but it doesn't matter. I have a letter here from the Department of Commerce and NOAA, National Weather Service, which is under Department of Commerce, that they are saying that, that, that the station heads whatever they call them, should verify vaccination. Otherwise, you have to wear a mask. Now, some places aren't enforcing it. Some are. This is happening everywhere. Private, government. We need a case before the Supreme Court immediately, but, you know, frankly, I'm not even confident we'll get a good ruling. So, folks, this is continuing. The need for a lawsuit is right now. Oh, we defeated the vaccine passport. That's nonsense. We have it everywhere. They might not require a biometric card, but they'll require some sort of proof that you had it. And if they don't downright require it, they'll strongly encourage it. You won't be promoted. You won't get to do certain things. And most prominently, you'll have to wear bondage all day. You know, before this year, we would have called that coercion. Now we claim we're so, you know, used to it. But folks, it is important to, to keep in mind that to a certain extent, to a certain extent, the people are worse than the government. I know Scott Atlas has always been very down on the American people, and he's always told me that, look, you know, this could never persist without the people agreeing to it. 
And sadly, he's right. I'm finding, now it might be different in in some other states, but at least where I am in the Baltimore area, the government, believe it or not, is ahead of the people. I know that sounds crazy. But right now, generally speaking, except for you know maybe a few places, but even in the Baltimore County Public Library, which until last week, they would like almost spit down at you if you aren't wearing it in your car outdoors when they would dump the books in your car through the drive-thru. Now they took it off. They don't have the sign. And do it, you know, they open up the library and immediately it opened up without a mask. But still, my wife was the only one there without it. And this has been true in a few places. Maybe you'll find a few people here and there. But generally, what's what's starting to happen is that they are worse than the government. The people are keeping this going. Because what they've done to us is they've destroyed the quality of man. They've destroyed the people. I don't know how a civilization could ever, ever recover from that. Ever. It's truly shocking. You have the physical stuff, obviously, that we know, and we're going to see the excess deaths for years to come. Do you know there's a, a JAMA study out? Where is this? Um, nearly 8 in 10 cancers were not detected during and due to the lockdown restrictions. Think about this. In 2019, there were 1.76 million diagnosed with, with cancer. Okay? 1.76 million is the typical number we have. 8 in 10 this past year went on undiagnosed. Could you imagine how many thousands of people will die from that? But then there's the mental. If you want to look this up, this is from ABC 13 Houston. Therapists see influx in people seeking mental health services. The American Psychological Association conducted a survey in November 2020 and found that almost 75% of licensed psychologists who deal with anxiety and 60% who treat depression report an increased demand for their services. Okay? Think about that. Think about that. I don't know what you do. I don't know what it's going to take. But this is out of control. The amount of patients they've seen for clinical depression has tripled. Tripled. The number of people walking around with clinical depression. And most prominently, what they've done to kids. Again, we talked about those suicide numbers. We hear it all the time. You know, there was a friend of my my son's um, who, you know, he was he was sad. My, my son, that is, he was telling me, I don't know. I keep calling him. He doesn't really want to talk to me. And he, he was sad because he thought it was personal. He thought he didn't like him anymore. And it turns out my my wife bumped into his mother, and it turns out that he's like, yeah, he's having a really rough time. In general, he's not himself. That's very scary. 
We did this all for nothing. It is a crime against humanity. It needs a Nuremberg-style trial. Never again legislation. We need to push. We need to find out everyone who pushed this stuff. Destroyed people. And guess what? Now we're coming full circle. Remember, you heard it here first last year when I said, I said if you're going to treat every human being as suspect, as sick until proven healthy, and then you can't even prove yourself healthy, because of someone might be asymptomatic and then they lied about the the prevalence of asymptomatic spread, Remember, I told you this a year ago, that there's nothing unique about COVID. All viruses are like that, where you have a certain element of asymptomatic uh, um, infection. They don't really transmit. And I said there's tons of literature on the flu. CDC tweeted out yesterday. It's under the handle. They have a separate handle, CDC flu like a separate department, so it wasn't the main CDC Twitter handle, they tweeted out the following. A new CDC study from South Africa published in the Lancet found that asymptomatic infections may be a driver of flu transmission. 44% of of laboratory-confirmed flu infections in the study were in people who reported no symptoms. And again, folks... That literature that half the uh, pe- you know people who have the flu because remember a typical year you'll get forty to eighty million people that have confirmed flu cases. So you would imagine it would spread a lot more than that, and it probably does. It's probably twice that much, and half are asymptomatic. Now, just as a side point, mind you, folks, this study never says that they transmit. The study says that 44% of those infected didn't exhibit symptoms. CDC misleadingly tweets out the Lancet study found that asymptomatic infections may be a driver of flu transmission. It's extremely misleading. The study had nothing to do with transmission, didn't measure or contact trace and monitor transmission. It just monitored how many people had Symptoms who had lab-confirmed flu cases. They want to promote that agenda. They do this all the time. So they say the study found that it may drive it. It's unbelievable. That's just a side point there. But what did I tell you, folks? They're going to do this with the flu. And remember, remember, kids drop like flies during the flu season. I don't mean die, but I mean, you know, at at a class, have fever, sometimes for a full week, and we lived with it. We've now primed people's psyche to panicking from an asymptomatic positive test where nobody in a single school got meaningfully sick from it, and yet we would go through this psychological abuse, the mask abuse, the social isolation. Could you imagine how easy it will be Come November, December, when the flu returns, for them to suddenly say, you know, man, kids are throwing up. They got fever. We're dying here. They're going to bring this right out if we don't stop it. This has to be pushed in every special session. The Iowa bill, 
to permanently ban the masking of children. There's going to be a special session in most states August, September to do redistricting. We need to hijack as many of them as possible to force such legislation. This is what we're going to be working on with our Liberty Strike Force teams. And then again, we need lawsuits to get declaratory judgment on this, among other things. This is not over. Not by a long shot. I warned you guys about it with the flu. And by the way, it is back. I mean, it's not flu season, but because the COVID is so not prevalent, you have coronavirus colds, rhinovirus colds, um, and some other things are really percolating. Phil Kirpin, who really is very smart on this, put out the tracking on this from CDC. It turns out COVID is now the fourth most prevalent virus. It's down to number four. So you see it really is dying out. So the other stuff's going to come back. And in terms of kids and young adults, they are more affected by the flu than they are COVID. Yet we treated them like concentration camp style fight with death for this. So you can imagine when you get the flu, what's going to happen to them. Truly disgusting. And one more piece of evidence before we sew up today's show that I want to admit before our public court of law here, why this is not going away. You might think, all right, you know, they're starting now, but, you know, once COVID goes away, then they're not going to enforce the vaccine stuff. Guess what? This is from Axios. The first Americans to be vaccinated against coronavirus, meaning like January, February, could require a booster shot as early as as September, the CEOs of Pfizer and Moderna told Axios. Okay? It's so effective that we have to shove something so experimental that takes over your mRNA that it's not effective, that you have to get a new shot between 8 and 12 months, Pfizer CEO Albert Burlow said yesterday during an Axios event. Okay? People at highest risk were vaccinated in December, January, so I would do a September start for those at highest risk. This is going to become permanent if we don't stop it now. We need two pieces of legislation. One to bar all future masking of anyone And number two, to bar any private, yes, private entity from requiring both customers and employers to be vaccinated. You cannot violate privacy and health laws and disability laws and discrimination laws when it comes to what the system wants it to be. Okay, you want to go back to the early times where any business of any sort could do whatever they want? Let's shake hands on that. But that's not the system we live in. So I'm not going to stand for this carve-out so they could promote fascism. No way, Jose. So this is not over by a long shot. We are just continuing 
and even starting the crime against humanity with the COVID fascism, the public health fascism, just like we're just at the foot of the mountain of the violent crime epidemic. Those really are the two issues of our time for now, even more so than illegal immigration and some other stuff. But we will get to some other stuff later this week. Again, sign up for your conaction.network teams. There's a place to put in your zip code so we can pair you with the right team. It's going to take some time to get some of this set up. But folks, if not us, then who? If not now, then when? Until tomorrow, thank you all for listening, and God bless you all. Thank you.